NHL teammates for 13 seasons. Now back together as on-air teammates. You are listening to the Cass and Juice podcast. Hockey, life, and other stuff. Here are your hosts, Ryan Kessler and Kevin Bieksa. What's up, guys? Episode 11, Cass and Juice podcast. I'm Kevin Bieksa. Ryan Kessler is with me, as always, for the last 15 years. Kess, what's up, buddy? Where are you? Uh, I'm in Vancouver, bud. Uh, heard you're in Quebec for that Quebec tournament. So, But uh, before we get into that, let's talk about your speech. Wow. Getting a lot uh, of... You're coming right at me right away. A lot of street cred right now. But I think... Uh, who wrote that speech for you? Um, speeches.com. <laughs> <laughs> no you know me better than that that was right that was from the heart and, and you can you can chirp me all you want but you know that that speech was like we lived that like everything i told besides like danny being uh danny and hank being kind and genuine everything else was true so 100 no, percent. that's why <laughs> i couldn't hear you and uh i had to re-watch it on youtube but um you did a good job bud i'm proud of you Thank you. Yeah, that's the funny part is when I was saying it, I knew none of you guys could hear me because when Shorty was announcing me and doing his spiel, I didn't hear anything he said either. Like it's a weird echo on the ice when somebody talks in those events. And I kind of knew it going in, but it it ruined some of my stuff because you know me, I like to interact with you boys. You guys couldn't hear any of my jokes. Nothing. But anyways, laughing when the crowd left just to make you feel good. Yeah, appreciate that job, though. Thanks, buddy. Really but uh, traveling uh, all day yesterday, four-hour delay to get to Quebec City and just still kind of getting our bearings here. But walked around the city a little bit this morning, Katie and I, and it's cold here. Like, it's – I'm not used to the minus 20, 25 anymore, obviously, because I live in beautiful – Is that Celsius or Fahrenheit? Who cares? It's the same thing. <laughs> I think that's Celsius. I think it's minus okay. 25 Celsius. It's I'm not in Alaska. But uh, beautiful little city here. Like if you've, uh, if you ever, I don't know why you come here, but uh, (laughs) I I don't mean it that way. You know, I'm sure we have like 10 people from Quebec that listen to our podcast. But if you ever come here, it's a beautiful city with like a nice big castle and a lot of, it's like a very European flavor to the city. So anyways, keep that in the back of your mind. Uh, Have you been here before? Before I tell you? I was there for the uh, Quebec tournament. Um, speak, speak up a while ago i was there for the quebec tournament a while ago can you hear no, me mean, now no i mean like speak up like i'm just telling you about the city and you're like yeah i've been there yeah i've been there i mean yeah it's i still that's the only minor hockey tournament besides Kamloops when we went to Kamloops to uh i think i was 16 but that's i remember the pins do they still trade the pins there yeah, but now the pins are like nine ninety nine. You got to buy them before to give them away, and they're like, "Oh, make sure you don't get ripped off with the pin exchange." Like it's a big, big barter trade system around here. I'm like, okay. They're like, "Don't don't put your pins down for one second, or somebody will snatch them." <laughs> like really? You want a Junior Ducks? You want a Junior Ducks Pee Wee Quebec uh, tournament pin? Go for it. But anyways, uh, let's talk about uh, what's coming up on this episode. We're gonna we'll kind of relive some of that Sedine night. It was a pretty special night. We saw a lot of our ex-teammates that we haven't seen in a long time, especially not together, right? Yeah. Um, I didn't realize how many people are actually going to be there. And it was 
it was amazing. Even more than, than what was on the ice, there was guys up in the box and, and just to see everybody and, and told, tell stories. It was a uh, special, it was a special night for Nat or for uh, the Sedines and being able to see Nazi and he's coming on later in the show, but um, it was just a unreal time. Yeah, you want to host the show now or what? Just let the cat out of the bag that Nazi's our guest. Well, I mean, probably do a better job than you. So, you know what? I, I want the viewers, uh, sorry, the, the listeners to know is Andrea is, I just saw her in the background. So she's actually going to hear the first podcast episode recorded ever. So good for her. So, so supportive. She actually just, just left. So <laughs> perfect. So it'll be like usual. <laughs> yeah. But, episode 11 of her not listening. <laughs> but anyways, well, and you know what? We'll talk quickly about Bruce Boudreau got fired today and he's the eighth coach fired this year, which is a record, I believe tied a record. So we'll talk a little bit about him. We, we played for him. I had him for two years. You had him for three. Say what you want about him. We'll talk more. Awesome guy. Really, really nice, genuine guy. So we'll tell some. You got. Some, I know you have some really good Bruce stories because he ran the forwards. <laughs> oh yeah, we can bring that up later, though. Jeez. And then, uh, like you said, Nazi's our guest today. We haven't uh, we haven't spoke to Nazi for a while. Certainly not together. So looking forward to talking to him, and this will be a good one. Ready? Yeah, for sure. Can't wait. Let's go. So, Cass, I think we should probably mention before we get going here, uh, thoughts and prayers are with Jay Bomeister. He collapsed on the bench Tuesday night in Anaheim. Uh, trainers and staff and everybody did a really good job of reviving him, but they they canceled that game. And it was in the middle of the first period. It was like 1-1 already. But you kind of briefly just uh, texted with him, right? And he's he's doing better? Yeah, I texted with him a little bit and and he said he's doing uh he's doing all right, which is which is good because it could have been a lot worse if if the doctors weren't on top of him. So pretty scary situation and it's happened. People might not remember it's happened before with uh, Yuri Fisher in Detroit mm-hmm. and it happened over at Latvia as well and uh since then though They've they you know they've done enough things and they've done enough research to know that they need these defibrillators close by and and I think 100%. that's that helped them that helped the whole situation there so shout out to all the medical staff and everybody that worked on him he's at uh, UCI it's like twenty minutes from my house and it's a really good hospital and they're taking care of him right now so we hope he's he's doing well and everything works out for him right. Yeah, I, I hope he does better. Um, you know, he's under the best care right now, so I, I'm sure they have it under control. So our, our boy, Bruce Boudreau, I had him when I joined you in Anaheim for two seasons, and you're laughing because, you know, we had a, a, a funny relationship, but you had him, and he ran the forwards for the most part. He gets fired today from Minnesota. Um, I mean, it's not the biggest shock in the world, but the fact that eight coaches have been fired this year is, is a bit of a shock. But talk about uh, Bruce. Like Bruce is, I, I've spent time with him in the past few summers at his hockey camp, because my sons attended it back in St. Catharines in Ontario, and he's an awesome guy. Like he's the nicest guy. Tell us a good story, Cass. You got some good ones. Uh, all right, one comes to mind. Uh, <laughs> Bruce is a, like you said, he's a great guy. But for whatever reason, I I get traded the my first year, and apparently the guys were terrible during ga- day games or or like afternoon, like five o'clock games. So sometimes they we wouldn't have pregame skate, 
So he comes in before the game or maybe it was after the game. I don't know the whole story, but what I'm getting to is, is he comes storming in the room and he's like, I don't know what it is, guys. We're just not successful during games. I don't know if you're, you're out shopping or what you're doing, but <laughs> we got to figure it out. <laughs> so he, he goes on this tyrant and, and goes and he leaves the room and I stand up and I'm like, all right. Who's going shopping on game days? <laughs> and everybody just started dying laughing. And it's like, okay, who went to Target today? Someone, like, someone had to go to Target today. Like, fess up. So it's just, uh, that's, that's Brucey, though. He's a good guy, and he, he tends to overthink things a little bit. <laughs> and uh, the whole shopping uh, tirade was, uh, I'll never forget that one. He, like, we had a lot of fun with him, right? Like, he was, he was funny around the rink, and I, I don't want to talk too much about the details of it. Do you remember his pregame meal? So his pregame meal, and I'm not going to tell you what it was, but it was the same thing every time. And before I got there, the guys were like, watch him during pregame meal. And I'm like, okay. So he's, he's eating his pregame meal, and he's, he's got something funny going on. So he kind of he's kind of like on alert, and he knows everyone's watching. And I slowly just creep up my phone, and I zoom in, and I take a picture of him across the room eating his pregame meal. And that made it to the team group text. <laughs> so that so any time, like we had, we had the team group text always going in Anaheim, and it would it would get out of control. Like they, you know, they, everyone would pick on Perry, the same thing. Like yeah. it would be like pick on Perry, pick on Perry, and then that that picture would just sle- like squeak in there every once in a while. It was, <laughs> it, was it was good for a laugh, but we yeah. we loved Bruce. I didn't know what to get when I first got traded with Bruce because my first phone call he. Uh, he basically chirped me. He's like, yeah, I don't know why we traded for you. Every time we played the Canucks He said that to me year, too. He said that yeah. to me too. He goes, every time we trade, or every time we played you guys, like we just kill you. So I don't know why we picked you up. Was and he I'm serious? Like, yeah. And then he goes, I don't really know the type of player you are. And I'm like, I finally cut him up. I go, Bruce, YouTube me. Watch a couple of highlights. Like, <laughs> <laughs> look me up. Look, look me look up. Me he said up. that to me. When I first got to the Ducks, we came out of the gates like flat. And like our, our team conditioning, uh, as a whole, like when I got there, I'm like, this, this is a joke. Like this isn't an NHL conditioned team. Right. So probably had something to do with our start. So we came out of the game. Remember we're like one in seven and one. And he pulls me in. He goes, yeah, uh, we went to the conference finals last year and this year we're in last place on the team. And the team is all the exact same, except for you, Chris Stewart, and like one other guy he named. <laughs> so I'm like, so let me get this straight. it's my fault we're in last place right now and he's like well you know uh, i'm not saying that but i am saying you know this is this and i'm like oh my god so that was my start with him but our our relationship grew for the better after that but anyways bruce is a great guy i'm sure he's going to jump on with another team but um it's it's honestly crazy how there's so many coaches getting fired this year i uh no, I think they're going to set a record if another coach gets fired. And it just, it seemed to be the trend that if the team starts playing like shit, then, you know, instead of pl- trade players, the coach is always the first to go, you know? Bruce will be fine. He'll land on his feet. He's a good guy. He's got a lot of connections. His son is uh, an up and coming coach as well. Both of them are. So you'll see more Boudreaux in the future. Perfect. Can't wait. So, Cass, we had a good day Wednesday. We uh, went to Danny and Hank's retirement ceremony. Uh, you were there a couple days before, so you got to mm-hmm. see some of the guys. But when I came in, uh, I didn't have much time. I went to the hotel. Oh, yeah. How about you? Your suit. 
So Kess calls me. <laughs> We're supposed to meet in the lobby at 4.45. And Kess is usually punctual. I'll give him that. And he calls me at like 4.20 and he says, hey, did you bring an extra suit? And I go, yeah. And he goes, okay, I'm coming up to try to put it on. So he comes up to my room and he tries on my extra suit because dry cl- What happened? You tell him. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just pictured so, you in my suit. Uh, right? uh, that's what I like. Didn't fit at all. I, I was like the fat guy in a little coat. <laughs> you're, you're a bit of a unit right now. So, so, so let's move it back. Tuesday morning, which is the day before uh, the Sedin's uh, retirement night. I give my suits to the hotel to get them pressed. Like you travel with suits, you get a little wrinkly rather than, you know, iron on myself. I just gave them to the hotel to get them pressed. So they had them all day Tuesday, all day Wednesday. And I'm like, oh, just bring it back by like, you know, noon at the latest. It'll be fine. So uh, I'm laying on the on my bed and, and Andrea comes around the corner. She's like, where's your suits? I'm like, good question. It's call down. Hotel's like, Oh, they'll be right up. Another 30 minutes go by. Now it's like 3.45, 4 o'clock. No call. Call back. Oh, they're, uh, they're off-site. I go, what do you mean they're off-site? They're like, oh, yeah, they're off-site and, and, uh, at, a, at a laundry location. That's the way we do our, our laundry service. I'm like, okay, so where is it? They're like, oh, we don't know. We're going to check. We just sent someone there to go pick it up. And I'm like, okay. We'll have it there in 20 minutes. So it's 4.10 now, Juice. And mm-hmm. I'm like, we're, I'm going to get it at 4.30. I'll be all right. So that's when I called you. And I called them back. And I'm like, listen, like, guarantee me 30 minutes. And then they go, we have a few suits. Uh, we have a few suits on, on premise. Um, can we get your size so we uh, can... Uh, and I'm like, what did you just say to me? You're like, I'm tall, lanky, bull-legged. Broad shoulders, skinny waist. That's your size. No yeah, suit's going to fit no you. Suit. No, no suit. No shelf. No. So Clearly, clearly, because you tried mine on. I'm not going to go to uh, walk on the ice with a JW Marriott across my chest. <laughs> 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 so I literally like, haven't seen Gillis or Noni or Berkey or, you know, Matthias Owen. Mar- I haven't seen any of these guys in like a decade, basically. And I come down with like workout gear on with dress shoes and like knee high dress socks. And well, you know what? How- From their perspective, this is this was perfect. They, like you said, you haven't seen them in so long. We all meet in the lobby. Here comes down. We're all in suits and ties. Kess walks down in dress shoes, burgundy dress socks pulled up halfway up his leg, really <laughs> tight short shorts, and a t-shirt. That's uh, what's a t-shirt say? Wasn't like. Uh, it was. It said hockey. It was level Hawk, 10 hockey. hockey. <laughs> it just looked like some scrub off the street. And we're going to, you know, one of the biggest nights of the year in Vancouver. So, like, it, it, was, it was funny. Like, I think we have some – somebody must have taken a picture because we got into a shuttle. We went over to the rink. And then we all walk off this bus, like, all the Canuck, like, legends of the last 20 years. And there's people, like, well, I want pictures and autographs. And here comes Kess walking off the bus in dress socks, dress shoes, and short shorts and a hockey t-shirt. Uh, the Canucks have a video on their Twitter of me saying hi to everybody at the rink in my, in my workout gear. So Chris Tanov got a hold of him. He brought an extra suit to the rink just in case. I get on the bus. I'm going to the game in shorts and a t-shirt. So we're all going. As soon as the bus, 
bus pulls out, my, my suit shows up. So go grab my suit, bring it down. And I'm carrying my suit into the arena. And I'm like, this is so fucking embarrassing. Like I haven't seen these guys in years. And so, you know, it was an icebreaker, maybe a little bit to see the guys again oh, and yeah. make fun of me, me be the bunt of the, brunt of the joke again and standard uh, pretty standard. it's like it's like shocker first time on on rogers arena's ice i <laughs> might get booed i might not and um and, you know thought go, goes over your head like did they do this on purpose <laughs> yeah you, you said that when you left my room and i and i laughed afterwards I'm, you're like you were kind of like upset you're like fuck only me only me this would happen <laughs> like, i can imagine you're probably a little stressed out and you're a little worried and now you don't even have your own freaking suit to wear like it's <laughs> but anyways it worked out we it walked out we walked into the rink you got dressed eventually and probably like the coolest part was just seeing everybody before we went on the ice and just kind of reminiscing with like you had 20 years of like all of our favorite you know teammates and ex-players mm-hmm. so you had like nazi and you had mo and their wives, you have Matthias. Who else did you say was in the suite? Yannick, um, Hanson, Mace, Michael Samuelson. Yeah, um, Michael Samuelson. It was just awesome to like catch up and, and the management and GMs and coaches. And then we're walking through the hallways and then you sprinkle in a bunch of the, the current players came out and we're saying hi. It was just a cool. And then you, then you throw Gary Batman right in the middle of that with Bill Daly. <laughs> Oh, you I, had a little tussle in the uh, hallway. I saw. Oh, he fired, fired me up. He fired me up before I went on the ice. Do you, did I? Have I told that story on this before a little bit? Uh, how we had a little bit of a misunderstanding at the All Star game this year? Yeah, I believe you have. But let's let's rehash it again. No, let's not rehash. It's a bit. Basically, he accused me of doing something before saying something in the media, which I certainly didn't. And he, I think he thinks I'm you at times. And I'm like, I didn't say that in the media. I own up to what I say. And he's like, no, you did. I'll find it. I'm like, go find it. So fast forward to Wednesday, I go up and I go, hey, find anything yet? He goes, nope, still looking. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) keep looking, buddy. And then, you know, shake hands and go out. And then he walked out in front of me and I'm just stewing in the the tunnel before we walk out. And I remember Nazi's like, what's the matter? I'm like, fired up right now, Naz. Fired up. You're thinking about a Superman punch, weren't you? No, no, no. I res- <laughs> I respect Gary, but I uh you know, I obviously I say things that are a little controversial, but I think I own them. But so I don't need you to blame me for things I didn't say because I got I got my own problems already. Right? <laughs> but taking the yeah. heat for you. Most I likely not it was say you. that. No chance. There's zero think- chance I said that. Not in the media. Just, just maybe like, to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, ceremony was great. Yeah. Um, one thing that we should note is probably it would, it takes Danny and Hank, like two amazing guys and teammates to get all those guys back. Right. Like that doesn't happen. If yeah. Anybody else. Burr, it, it, it's, Burr, yeah. Louie, Burr, Hanson, Louie. uh, Manny Maholtra, obviously, and, and Chris Higgins. Those guys work for the staff. Um, but it was just so good to see everybody. Um, brings, back, bring, brings back the memories of, of like, it's almost like the golden years, right? Like, like uh, how much, it, it brings back memories of how much fun we had playing hockey back then. Did it feel like when we were walking through the tunnel, like through the dressing room before we were all introduced individually, it felt like we were playing. Yeah. Right. I, I didn't want to say that. Yeah. 
What exactly. a team that would be, eh? <laughs> what a team that would be. You think we could beat Ottawa if we uh, we laced them up right now? <laughs> if we played Ottawa right now in our condition, I don't. I thought everybody looked in pretty good shape. Yeah, everybody looks in better shape. Like Michael Samuelson looks in better shape now than he did when he played. Which Sammy Sammy was great shape when he played, but everybody looks thin and in great shape. It's good to see. Sammy. Other than Yannick, Yannick, Yannick looked a little rough. <laughs> looks <laughs> joking. Yeah, he, he yeah, looks I'm joking. Terrible. He looks terrible. <laughs> <laughs> obviously there was uh chirps that f- flew around but anyways the twins um what what i like is the twins they don't love attention and they don't like the spotlight but the uh the canucks wanted to honor them and they went out there and they had all the, you know everybody looking at them and they don't like that but they made everybody mm-hmm. feel so inclusive right like they brought us all didn't it feel like when they're raising the jersey i don't know what you felt like because you probably think your jersey's gonna be raised there one day but i know mine <laughs> mine's not but i felt like when they're raising that 22 and 33 i'm like i felt a little bit of pride like you know what i had a small small part in that like i feel exactly because the twins make us feel like that right like mm-hmm. we we had a small small part in that and they like are so genuine and gracious about it like it was a, it was a cool ceremony we've been to a couple of them before cast and that was for me. That was uh, the most heartfelt, for sure. A hundred percent. You know, even their speech. Their speech was incredible. I know they were really nervous beforehand, and and uh, they killed it. Though, I mean, I know you were only supposed to talk for five minutes, and you talked for six <laughs> because you like to hear yourself talk so much, and you thought you were funny. You're, you're the only one laughing at your own jokes because no one else could hear them. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. I'm laughing and everyone's like, what the heck's so funny? And I'm like, I'm I'm what's funny. Like the jokes, the jokes to me are funnier than than probably they are to the rest of the crowd. But the people that get me thought it was funny. But yeah. uh it was it was fun. And then we we shut down the rink after the game. Great game. I mean, they didn't play good. They played. I walked out in the hallway and I I saw the workers just standing out there and I'm like, what time is it? And they're like, it's one o'clock. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. Are we keeping you? Because they just kept, you know, giving us wine and beer. And we just, it just seemed like the time passed by so fast that we, uh, we just lost track of time. And then we, uh, we continued the night later on. Yeah. Like it was, there was so much going on and there were so many people to talk to that we're, you know, we're all packed in this suite, like this double suite or whatever. Canucks do an awesome job of, of setting all these things up and taking care mm-hmm. of everything, getting us together. But we're in the suite. So I don't know. I saw you, but you're you're mingling. Like there's so many people to talk to and catch up. I didn't even watch the game. So we're sitting around after we left the rink with uh, uh, Alex Edler and Mark Crawford, who coached the game for Chicago, the assistant coach. And we're sitting around and I remember saying, hey, Eagle, like, good game like how did how'd it go you guys and he goes uh not so much and i go well what do you mean like you won three nothing and then he goes yeah but they had the puck all game <laughs> <laughs> and then crow goes uh yeah we had 50 shots on that and i think they had 15 and i'm like oh like i didn't i didn't see that but i guess it was like a one-sided affair and, and markstrom just stood on his head yeah I saw that they had 50 shots, but but to be honest, there's so many people to talk to during the game that I think I maybe watched three minutes of the game, and it was every time I'd, I'd hear the goal, goal horn, I'd watch a couple minutes after that. But other than that, I was just talking to the guys the whole time. 
The only like part I watched, Eagle was on the penalty kill, and he, he took like a hard slap shot down the ice, and then he mentioned that. He goes, yeah, I had two shots on net on the penalty kill. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what the hell brags about that? He's like, yeah, did you see Did you see my two shots on net on the penalty kill? I go, what? Who cares? What are you Just looking about? up to his, to his big brother, eh? Oh, he, Matias is his role model, mentor, and Matias was so proud of him too. He's like, look at Alex out there. Like he's, he could play forever. He's just so smart and so good. <laughs> and then Alex comes up to the suite after. Who's he go over to right away? Matias. Yeah. Just two male models, eh? Hey, you know what? The ladies like Matias. Like my wife, I'm sure Andrea does. He's a good-looking dude. Just a just a nice Swedish Viking. Too bad, like he doesn't tough like, to compete with that. I mean, I know. Tip your hat to him, right? We only have so much we're working with here. This guy's got assets for days. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Danny and Hank, uh, great night, a lot of fun. Uh, I think they're. You're going to a, the Dice and Ice, I believe. Is that tonight with them or tomorrow? Yeah, yeah, I'm going to see them again tonight. Um, you hosting? I think, no, uh, I was going to, but uh, they said that you're going to fly in. You did such a great job <laughs> that you're flying back in to uh, hear yourself talk again because you've never seen a microphone you haven't liked before. <laughs> oh, you know what? I had fun. <laughs> you did a good job. I'm just giving you shit, buddy. Obviously, I had fun. So just before we go out on the ice and get introduced, we're in the tunnel and there was like, there's nervous energy, right, Cass, for you, for all of us, but for you? Like, yeah, how did yeah, you, for how did you feel? us, but uh, I felt terrible. Uh, you know, I was excited but nervous at the same time. And I remember almost, yeah, I was shaking a bit and I whispered in your ear, I was like, juice, I've never been so fucking nervous in my life before. And you're kind of vulnerable down there because you're not wearing the hockey equipment like we're used to. That's kind of like a shield for us, right? Yeah. And uh, you're kind of like, we're all putting ourselves out there. And you went, you got a huge standing ovation and I'm standing there next. And I'm like, oh, here we go. But the, the fans were great. They gave me a great reception. And, and uh, you know, it was nice to, uh, you know, hear those cheers again. It brought me back to when uh, when we were playing, you know. Yeah, I felt good for you too. Because I, I knew deep down inside that you were going to get cheered. But you never know, right? And Never know. It, I, I thought the fans were so good and gracious to all of us. Like Trevor got a huge ovation and, you know, he hasn't been around the team since he kind of left. Right. So there was, yeah. he had a little apprehension as well. Like obviously people always love Nazi, but TS, like everybody got a great Lou Burr. It was just so cool to see every individual guy go out there and get just showered with applause and appreciation because you're right. Like we, we, we're there for the Sedins and it's our night or sorry, it's their night and we're there to support mm -hmm. them. But it's also nice to be acknowledged for all the you know blood, sweat and tears we've all all put in individually over the years. So that, that was cool. That was a great part of the ceremony. Yeah, exactly. So Danny and Hank were obviously amazing guys, but on the ice, let's talk about that quickly. You, you know, you scored 41 with them the one year on the power play, right? Like they made mm -hmm. everybody better around them you can look at the list of guys who played with them like uh, Anson Carter they get him 33 and we saw we saw Ace a couple <laughs> couple <laughs> days ago like yeah they get you 33 then you peace out on them eh but like Taylor Pyatt like Yannick Hansen Burr obviously they made his career mm -hmm. Burr's not shy to tell you he's very grateful but you played on the power play with him the one year you had 41 like how how much better how much easier did they make it 
you know, it was cool to, to, to see is, is Newell Brown did it. Did a, he was our power play coach, right? And uh, he did a great job of just allowing the Sedins to basically run that power play, right? They had their own way of doing things. And Hank would always be on the half wall just dishing. And they would get me the puck in the perfect spot. And the thing is, yeah, I, I put the puck in the net. But if they, if I don't have Danny and Hank putting the puck in the perfect spot for me to one time it, they made it so easy on me to just shoot the puck. And that was my best trait, I think, when I played the scored those 41 goals that year so if it's a foot off I don't get that shot off or it might not go in so they were so good at just placing the puck perfectly and and we worked on that a lot and they're so smart and just such gracious people that uh you know that those were those are the types of leaders you want on your team you know yeah what we were what you guys were so good we were the number one power play in the league the one year power play and penalty kill and we had two good groups you guys were clearly the number one unit we were i thought we were a pretty good number two unit but mm-hmm. what what the twins are so good at is breaking pressure so yeah like when you guys have the puck they're making plays they're making plays and and then as soon as the there would be a shot and a rebound you were really good at retrievals probably the best in the league that year so you would keep a lot yeah. of pucks alive and then as soon as you would get it to danny or hank they could do one of those ding 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 like give and goes and break mm-hmm. pressure so if the pk wanted to be super aggressive they would break pressure and they, you guys would score so many goals off of the scramble because you would get the puck back. Well, and then yeah, I knew my job. My job was to get the puck, get it to Danny and Hank. And we worked on that a lot. I don't know if you remember. We always worked on retrievals against no press pressure. And my job was to rim it out to, to Hank's side. And it worked every time. And then you're right. I got it to Danny and Hank, and then they, they broke the pressure with their magic. Yeah, so, so many people don't understand that when they're talking about how successful power plays are. They, t- they think it's all off the setup. They're like, oh, okay, like off the setup, they're, they're the number one power play because they, they run the best plays. Well, everybody runs similar plays off the setup, but it's mm-hmm. what power plays can get that puck back and not just get one and done. Like one shot, the other team ices it. And you guys got so many chances. And then when you, once you start retrieving some of those second and third chances, how, how tired does the PK get? We're mm-hmm. so tired now, and now you guys can just pick them apart. And you guys were awesome at that that year. Yeah, we were. They they were years, such a huge years. part part about that. But five on five, you could plug anybody on there. Remember when Jeff Cowan played on their line for like <laughs> the two bra weeks? Barian. Remember the bra Barian? He used to get bras thrown on the ice when he'd score. Yeah, I don't know where that came from, but girls would hang these big bras over the glass for every, and he scored like six goals in like ten games. And I think he had like eight goals in his career. <laughs> he was, he caught on fire and you're right. He did score a ton in that 10 game span and the fans loved him. Every time he scored, there'd be multiple bras thrown on the ice. And, and as a team, we loved it. And he was a redhead too. So when they would start games, it would just be three redheads lined up. It was all, it was <laughs> awesome. It was just such a perfect line mate for them. For ten, for 10 games they broke up hank and danny once or twice remember av broke them up and yeah. i play with danny and i looked down i'm like don't expect a lot from me i'm not <laughs> hank <laughs> i'm like you're gonna have to change your game to play with me <laughs> they weren't they weren't as good and they didn't want to play a part i played the the one year when eagle broke danny's foot in practice with a slap shot and danny was out six weeks uh vino comes to me and he goes uh i think we had problems with like uh uh, like our roster space. So they couldn't call up in fours. He goes, so they tried Romer on the fourth line. So Romer was a defenseman and they're like, mm-hmm. we'll put him on the fourth line and we'll plug him in there. And then Vino comes to me and he goes, 
no, um, do you mind? Like, can we try you at for, at forward? Because, and I go, oh, why? And he goes, well, we want to like, we don't want to sacrifice any offense. So we'd rather bring you up. Like I had, I had a lot of points around that time in my career mm-hmm. before, you know, basically before the Ducks told me to stop joining the rush. But anyways, I, <laughs> so I, <laughs> a little dig there, but. So I started the first game on, do you remember when I played forward? I started the first game on the third line with Welly and Tanner Glass. And I missed, I got put in the box for the whole third period because you started a brawl against the Rangers during the timeout. <laughs> do you remember that play? Yeah, I remember it like it was yesterday. Aaron Boros. <laughs> you, uh, you're skating off jumped. the ice and you had like 10 guys from the Rangers. Look it up. It's pretty funny. And I'm changing. Yeah. and it's, it's during the timeout. Like there's, we're not playing and you get jumped like, by 10 guys. I think I said something to Gabrick and then Aaron Boris. And the, I think I might've, uh, and then all of a sudden there's like 10 Rangers on the ice fighting me. And then it just started a melee and I loved it. You were right there. So I got 20 minutes in the box. So I didn't play the whole third and I was kind of like pumped to play forward. So then the next game I'm thinking, okay, he's going to pull me back on D and he go, Vino pulls me on the bus and he goes, you're going to play with Burr and Hank. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, fuck, this is more like it. This is where I belong. <laughs> so I played two or three games with Burr and Hank, and that was the year Hank won the Art Ross. It was so easy. Like, yeah. it was so easy. And but the only problem was Burr and I started so many scrums. So Hank was in all these scrums every shift. And he, did, he doesn't belong in scrums. No. No, he, he doesn't. He can hold his own, but we don't want our star player in scrums and you two idiots would go out there and just start scrums and he just get dragged into the pile. And I'd be, I'd be steaming on the bench, just wishing I was out there. (laughs) Yeah. He can't handle his own. That was just a nice, nice thing you said there. (laughs) Didn't he get in a fight? No. He has one fight under his belt. Ah, who? He might've left his Danny, but bought Danny the one time in practice. Remember? (laughs) What they were really good at is they, they were so innovative. They started so many trends in the NHL, like the slap pass off the half wall. They were the first ones to do that that I remembered. Yeah, it was called the Sadim play. And it was because Hank has a muffin and he can't take a slap shot and, and hit the net in the air. So he would have to get a redirection from Danny halfway. But it was it, they scored so it many worked. goals off of it. It worked every time. Every time, 100% of the time. And then the face-off play, we call it, I teach it to my kids, it's called the Sadim play. When Hank wins the face-off inside to the inside winger in zone, mm-hmm. and he takes it around the circle. The other winger on the board like, funnels through the net. That's the Sadim play, too. Yeah, and the Sadim play from, uh, from the neutral zone. Where this, Hank, Hank wins the draw, Danny goes to the boards like he's faking, the, and then he cuts the middle and they give him a breakaway yeah. pass. That's another Sadine play. And then they the just Sedin. have so many plays that, that honestly, every team in the league uses it now, right? Well, how about when Hank gets the pocket? He used to get the puck in our zone off the breakout, and he's so slow, like Danny would be way ahead of him, and he would just sauce it off the ice indirect, and Danny would get breakaways. He's got the one goal against Detroit. He did that. That's a Sadine play, too. Yeah, we can, we can talk all, all day long about Sadine plays because they were. Uh, they're ahead of their time meant like mentally and, and they changed the game. But we could also talk about how they love the hot tub after every game and on the road. Hot tubs all the time. Before the game too, right? They would the hot tubs and you know how like for most of us there's a certain time for hot tubs and coffee? Well, 
every time is is a, is is okay for them. Like they would drink black coffee at eleven o'clock at night and then go to bed. <laughs> Or a pregame. They'd have a black coffee at pregame and then they'd go have a nap. We're like, what are you doing? They're like, oh, it doesn't affect us. What? <laughs> Caffeine doesn't affect you? Uh, that's the way they were, right? Just like hot tubs. They just wanted to be with the boys. Just like to, to marinate in the hot tub. <laughs> Come out all wrinkly. Oh, we got so many like inside jokes with them that we can't even talk about because <laughs> it's so inappropriate and it would embarrass them, but... Well, um, we didn't we didn't want to bother them or pester them during their week, asking them to be on the podcast. But I think we all know it's a given that they're going to be on soon. We're just going to wait for the right time. Yeah, we'll let things cool down, and then we'll get them on here, and we'll uh, we'll be able to talk about all our stories, and and you know, I'm sure they got a few about us too. We'll make them uncomfortable. That's what we're good at. <laughs> well, you're good at making me uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're sitting there with no shirt on right now in your hotel room. <laughs> It's hot, man. It's like, what is it, 22 degrees Celsius, wherever the hell that is. You're listening to the Cass and Juice Podcast. I feel like I've said this already, but our next guest is a former Pittsburgh Penguin, Vancouver Canuck, and New York <laughs> Ranger from 1993 to 2009. Quick math, Cass. How many years is that? 16. You are a smart man. 12, 12 of those as a Canuck, 8 as a captain, which is the longest tenure. Still to date, he's the second member of the West Coast Express that we've had the privilege of having on this show. 1,100-plus NHL games, 869 points. I mean, he's a five-time All-Star, and he's got a lot more accomplishments. But one that sticks out to me is three-time Viking Award winner, which is the top Swedish player in the NHL, which I think is a pretty big honor. He's a mentor of Kess and I, our first few years in the NHL, and he's a good friend, Marcus Nazan. Nazi, what's up, buddy? Not much. Good to hear your voice, Juice. For me, like two guys that I always watched were you and Matthias Olin, right? And not to like embarrass you, but I always thought I want to be like those two guys, you know, when I've been in the league for six, seven, eight years, like just cool guys. Like you guys are cool guys, but like nice to everybody, good players. And that's kind of like who I molded myself after kind of thing. So I'm not really sure how you can respond to that, Nazi, but <laughs> that's the way that I looked at you. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm really flattered that you guys are saying that. Uh, I, I, in hindsight, looking back, I, I feel I wish that I didn't did more for for the young guys coming in. Um, but you guys know too. There's so much going on when you're when you're in the midst of everything, and you you, you want to try to focus on your thing, but also have time for the rest of, of your teammates. But um, I didn't feel that I. I maybe gave you guys enough time, but it, it, I hope that you guys felt that the, the, the line was always open and that you could approach me if, if there's anything you wondered about or, or that I could help out with. Yeah, I, I always did. I, I love that you always called me a little bitch. Was, <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you took after Bert coming in grumpy in the morning. That, that's, that's something that he rubbed off on you. <laughs> Exactly. You know what? Uh, you know when you did give us some time. Do you remember the first? My first team party was at your house. Remember you lived on that house? Uh, I don't know. It was just off of Granville or something. Yeah. yeah. You had everybody over. I don't know if you remember because you probably had a couple. But <laughs> yeah. Katie and I, Katie and I came. Kess picked us up in his Hummer with Andrea. Remember that Hummer you had, big dog? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he picks us up and he brings us over to your house. And you had. I still remember you had 
Jay Lure wine. Yeah. You had a whole bunch of bottles of wine. So Kess and I and our wives and, and Josh Green and Kristen, we go and we sit outside on your patio because we're the young guys. We're still like feeling a little bit, you know, a little bit uh, like we don't belong kind of thing. So we're trying to stay out of the way. So we just sit outside and we just drink all your wine all night long. And then you ended up joining us. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do for sure. And I think I helped you guys pretty much uh, quite a bit there too because I, I don't think I've drank in Jay Lower since then. So. <laughs> oh, so you join us outside and next thing you know, nobody's, nobody's left in the house. Everyone's gone home. And I didn't even know, I didn't have kids back then. It was a weekday. So I didn't even realize your three kids were in bed. And Lada comes out and says, okay. And she's kind of trying to push the pace here. And Katie picks up on it and says, we should go now. And I'm like, no, we're fine. Like, nah, he's with us. He's having a blast. She's like, no, we should go. So we stand up and haven't stood up in probably four hours after drinking wine. And just all of us are just mangled. Right. So we, I, I know I'm telling this story because I feel like you guys don't remember it, but we make our way to the front door and we're saying our goodbyes. And Nazi, you said to my wife and to Andrea, thanks for having me <laughs> at your house. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you're right. I think that was brought up quite a bit after that was kind of like a saying that you guys used towards me, right? Later on as well. So true. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't know if it was the language barrier or if it was uh, the amount of, of the red wine. I just, I just want to ask him quickly about the wooden stick. He's like one of the last guys to use that wooden stick and the wrist shot. You still have those things around? Yeah, I got a few in the garage, but um, no, no, I changed. I actually changed for my last year in in New York. I, I took the time to to get used to the composite stick. Uh, I I wish I, I did that sooner uh, because it, it makes a difference. I think um, you you do get a better shot with the with the composite stick. But I always like the um, the feel of the wood blade, and I. Um, uh, that was kind of traditional with my equipment. Same thing with skates. I used an old uh, type of material on, in, in my skates, and Bauer made it look like a newer brand so they can try to market it. But but it was old. So they, they came to me the last pair and said, Nazi, we're sorry. We were out of this material. Now you got to change skates. Nazi, out of everything, I know you played 12 years. Like what's Kess and I, I know what we would say is probably some of our best memories. What's your best memory as a Canuck? It's tough to to just pick pick one, I think, and and um, you guys had the, the 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 real good runs, even though you didn't make it all the way. But uh, in the playoffs after I left, uh, so I think that that's probably something that would stand out more than anything is is the uh, the success you would have in in the playoffs. We, I mean, we we were always disappointed. We had good teams, I think, but. Um, lost in, in game seven against many in the second round where, I mean, that a lot of the favorites were knocked out in the first round. I don't know. That's a tough, tough one to answer. I, uh, I really enjoy the, the group of guys. I think that's what stands out after I'm, after I'm done and I'm, I'm looking back at my career. I think that's, it's those things that you, you bring out the, the stuff that happened away from the rink or, or stuff that happened in the locker room and, or, or on team flights or whatever those are the things that i i uh i cherish and i miss the most yeah, that's what we we talked to bert i think bert was our first guest on the podcast todd and he said same thing like just what he missed was how good of the you know a group of guys there were and 
And, but talk about your line there. Like for three, four years, you guys were the best line in the world. And we, talk, we asked him about it. And obviously he shit on Mo. <laughs> yeah. What's uh, is that your impression? Like basically, you and Bert carried the line, and Mo was just there as a punching bag. <laughs> no, no, Mo, Mo did an excellent job too, and and we had, uh, I mean, we had so much fun teasing each other too uh, on the bench, and uh, Mo, Mo is strong mentally to handle both me and Bert because we wanted the puck at all times, and we were open at all times, so. It wasn't an easy task being a center there, but uh, yeah, I don't know. We we just we, we uh, complemented each, each other really well. Uh, I mean, during those years, too, Bert was a, a beast, and I, I think I don't know if I would pick anyone uh, above him to play with because he he would he would hold off defenders with one arm and, and use the other one to to make plays um, and. Uh, I mean, created so much room for myself and Brendan just with, with his um, size and and uh, the 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 fear he, he put into a lot of the defenders. So, um, I, I think it, it almost brings me back to the childhood when when you played for fun those years. You didn't. I, I didn't really worry about all the the external stuff. It was more just enjoying stepping on the ice and knowing that you're going to get scoring chances playing with those two. Yeah, you guys are pretty special. My my first game, quickly, my first start was uh, in Vancouver against LA and at home. And it was me, Matias, and you guys, the West Coast Express. And just quickly, you probably don't remember this. Mo wins the opening faceoff. I'm a, I'm a Canadian kid, grew up, watched hockey his whole life on TV, so I'm super nervous. Mo wins the drawback to Matias. Matias goes D to D to me. I just want to get the puck off my stick as quick as possible. You know, first NHL shift. So I force a puck to Mo, who's not open. And Jeremy Roenick's right there, and he just blows Mo up. Like, blows him up bad. (laughs) (laughs) And I run up, and I try to take a run at him and get some sort of revenge, and I get a penalty. So seven seconds in, I'm like, fuck, I just gave our best centerman a suey, so you guys hate me. And we're we're shorthanded, so... Nazi's got to sit on the bench for two minutes. Now. Yeah, that too. <laughs> uh, Tough yeah. start, eh? Yeah, I didn't remember. I don't remember that, but I th- Mo would deserve that, though. He needs to get hit once in a while to wake up. <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, you, you brought up Matias, too. Matias, in my mind, uh, is so underrated and, 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 and the ultimate uh, warrior and teammate. Uh, I think he... Uh, he was so good for so long for for this for for the Canuck franchise, and um, it was a treat having him on the team. Matias was such a good dude too. <laughs> I love that guy. Yeah, he. Uh, yeah, I remember those times on the bench with Mo. Mo would sit between you guys, and you'd have Bert on the one side going, "Fuck Mo, pass me the puck," <laughs> and then you'd be like, "Mo, Mo, I was open," and he'd be like. Oh fuck! I don't. <laughs> I can't give you both the fuck. <laughs> oh, I still giggle thinking about that. No, he but, had the uh, list. Mo had the list because he had no teeth, right? Like, yeah. Jesus Christ, Nazi! Jesus Christ, Nazi! I was open trying to get the pucks here. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you might have brought that up earlier, but but the one time when he came, like you said, he 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 got sour too when I I would always look to Bert first, and Bert would always look to me first, but. Uh, Mo usually got the second assist still, but but anyhow, he would come to he would come to the bench. You've heard this story, I'm sure, but and he would swear. He goes, 
guys, am I am I sprayed with invisible paint? <laughs> oh. I hope he's not listening. I've, I've never. <laughs> oh. He'll get his chance. We'll give him his chance in a couple of weeks to yeah, good. To his of everything. No, no, Nazi. When when uh, you you moved back to Sweden, you you became the GM of Moto. How how was that? It's way different than I expected. Um, Moto is obviously the the team that I grew up uh, playing for and, and yeah. had a, a close connection to even during my time in, in uh, Vancouver. But when I moved back, I, I first worked uh, as a board member. And uh, and then actually I made a, a comeback for half a season just to help them out a little bit. Uh, and uh, and then the year after, I was asked to, to run run the team and, and be the GM. And um, I try to imply a lot of the stuff that you picked up from playing over here. And I think, I think the franchises you play for in North America so well run and, and uh, I mean they they the attention to detail they they have here is, is second to none so um, I think it was a little bit of a culture shock when I try to imply those things to 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 a Swedish organization but uh, we uh, uh, we had uh, we had and, and I brought in Alf Samuelson too who had worked as an assist, uh, assistant coach in, in, in the NHL for quite some time too. So we tried to work work that way. In hindsight, I think it didn't work as, as well as I hoped it, it would because they just small things like traveling the day before a game uh, wasn't well accepted by, by the players there because they want to spend as much time as they can at home and stuff like that. Really? And, yeah, which That's is... interesting. Yeah. But, but I... And... Um, but it was it was important for me to have a coach that had the same um, same view as I did as the GM, and we uh, I mean we made the playoffs all three years, but we we didn't take it as far as we I think we should have been able to with the with the players we had. Nice. Now, uh, does Alex? Where does Alex play now? Alex, uh, my son, plays for for the Moto uh, J eighteen, so the junior team there. And uh, oh, nice. so, so, how does that system work? There's a junior team, and then you get bumped up. Yeah, you got. Uh, well, they got. They also have the school is connected to the team. You could say so. You have uh, four practices a day or a, a week daytime uh, integrated with school, uh, and they they get to have dinner at the school as well. And he he lives at home still, but they have the 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 J18 team, and then the J20, and then the the senior team. Um, so he actually has a, a couple of guys, his age group, there are uh, 17 now that that's actually played games for the, for the um, elite or the uh, senior team already. Oh, really? That's awesome. Yeah. So that moto's in your hometown, right? Uh, how do you say it? On Schoenzevik? Yeah, close. On Schoenzevik. Uh, yeah. yeah that's, what so moto- that's, what, that's what I said. Yeah. So Moto Moto is really they were the main sponsor. Moto is a, a paper mill in town, but uh, they uh, they were okay. the main sponsors way back. So now the the uh, I mean the team is more, especially in the hockey world, is more well known than the city itself. So you know a lot of people don't probably know this, and you know because Kess and Juice has uh, fans from all over the world, but it's a small town. How many people live there? Like twenty, thirty thousand. Yeah, thirty in, in the inner city about thirty, 
30,000, 60,000 with the suburbs. But it's... Uh, well, yeah, it's it, sorry. What I'm get, sorry, what I'm getting at is, you know where I'm getting, is that you've, you guys have put Hall of Famers into the NHL with you, Forsberg, the Twins, uh, Sammy Paulson. Like, what makes that city so special? Like, how are you guys just putting out world-class players? Yeah, Victor Hedman, too, is a decent defenseman. Oh, He's from, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, uh, no, it's... it's, it's uh, I don't know what the reason is, but we had a generation ahead of us that, that came from this city, and, and Thomas Gradine was one of the, the guys that left early and played for the Canucks for a long time and was a, a, a big star over here. But I think it, it's more that they opened up that the possibilities of, of coming from a small town in Sweden and making it to to the best league in the world. And after my generation with Peter... Uh, Peter, myself, Niklas Sundström, uh, and Matthias Tamander, Anders Eriksson. There's a bunch of us about the same age group that that came over and, and played uh, played here. Then then you had the next next group come after that too when the twins came. Um, so it just kept on going, which is which is neat and and still do. We got uh, Victor Olofsson, a young rookie in Buffalo from my hometown, Linus Oldmark, a goalie from Buffalo there. Uh, Adrian Kempe uh, plays in LA, so there, there's there's young guys coming in now too that that's gone through that system. Wow, that's a lot better than I'm from Grimsby, Ontario, and it's just me and Bill Berg. <laughs> <laughs> not, not as uh, not as good, is it? Yeah. But uh, you, I'm sure you've been asked this question a lot this week. But just quickly, give us like your last kind of two cents on the Twins. We're we're going to see you in Vancouver. You and Kess are there now. I'll be there tomorrow, but uh, we'll be there to celebrate and honor the twins. Just kind of, you saw them from the youngest of age, like three or four years old, right? And, and to what they've become now. Just give us your kind of your quick sense on them. Well, they're uh, they're very competitive guys, uh, without showing it so much. Uh, but but uh, I mean, if I were to build a, a franchise and and get them the chance to to get those two on board early, you know that you're not going to have any problems, uh, whether it's outside of hockey or, or in the locker room, if you have those guys uh, being the leaders. And, and I think they were so unco- uh, accountable and, um, and, and led by example and uh, obviously pushed themselves to, to play on the highest level for as long as they did too is, is quite unique. And, and you guys know how hard they work off the ice and, which is it's great to see that that it pays off on the ice too uh, but um, couldn't say enough good things about them I, I think they're they're special special people and um, they're so down to earth uh, um, and it's it's just great seeing them getting the recognition they get Nazi thanks for coming on uh, obviously you know I've never told you this but you were uh, you were huge early on in my career and and uh, you showed me the way and you took me under your wing and, and, you know, to be honest, you hung out with me on and off the ice and, and, uh, you know, met a lot for, for Andrew and I to, to have someone mentor us, you know, even a lot of mentoring Andrea. Um, I can't, I can't repay you for that. And I, I just want to thank you for, for, uh, for coming on this show and, and I'll see you hopefully tonight. I mean, we're, we'll make plans after this, but once again, just thanks, buddy. Well, thank you. Thank you guys for, for having me, first of all, and, and thanks for the kind words, uh, Ryan. But uh, I'm really looking forward to 
to seeing you guys. It's been too long, and I wish we could uh, stay in touch more often. Okay, thanks, guys, for listening today. Another good episode with one of our former teammates, and he's certainly not going to be the last. You know what? We only have one one more player from the West Coast Express cast that we haven't talked to. Brendan Morrison. We talked to him this uh, this week, and he's coming on one of these times. So reel them in. Jeez, Jesus, Cats and Juice, you guys don't even want to have me on the podcast or what? <laughs> We've had Nazi and Bert Im- impersonate him, so he's going to get his chance to go back at those two. So we'll, we'll have him coming up. But happy Valentine's Day to everyone. Keep listening. Keep subscribing. Catsandjuice.com. You know the uh, Instagram is at Cats and Juice and you know, at KBXO3, at Ryan underscore Kessler. We're going to continue to spit out episodes, have some fun. So we'll talk to you again next week. See you, Cass. See you, buddy.